0: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
1: Great moments are born from great
2: opportunity. And that's what you have here. That's what you've earned here tonight. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you here. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential, to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners.
3: On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that itch. We claw with our fingernails for that itch because we know... When we add up all those issues, that, that, that's going to make the f***ing difference between winning and losing. It's
0: down to the wire with, with, with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Oh, Petey! Oh, Petey! On the World Wide Sports Radio Network. And...
3: Ladies and gentlemen, this is Down to the Wire. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, and my co host and producer, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can reach us and follow us and call us at 631. 631- 9654990 and remember you can follow us on our, on our website by going to our website at www.sportsonthego1.com and you could also go to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You can follow us on all our social medias by going to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, YouTube, radio.com, TuneIn radio, iHeartRadio and all the radio platforms on the internet and the Digital Market by going to us and find it, following us by going to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Mr. Speedy Petey, how was your weekend, my friend?
1: It was interesting. I hung out with my cousins. I played a lot of older video games, a lot of arcade games that you might have played as a kid. Oh, uh, you're saying I'm old. Is that what you're saying? Well, someone. Well,
3: so you're saying I'm an old man. That's no, what you're telling but, me on but, this radio show, that I am an old man, you, and I'm a geezer. You, you, you I'm 38 admit, years
1: old. You admit you're old, too. So. Well, I, I feel old. I wouldn't say I'm old, but I no, feel you've old. You've said it before, but I played a lot, of, a lot of those games. It was actually funny last like night. Like what game? Think, Mario Kart? Uh No. Uh Contra was one of the big ones. Oh, I love Contra. Yeah. I mean, me and my my youngest cousin played that for a long time. We were trying to beat that. Gets addictive. Yeah, it does. It does. I wasn't very good at it, but I... Well, you don't look like the type of person who's well, good play video it was games. The first time, it was the first time I played it, and I would say, probably since like I was 10 or something. What, playing video games? No, playing that specific game.
3: Oh, so you you haven't played Contra since you were 10 years yeah, old. Yeah,
1: because uh, for, for me growing up, it's only
3: available in an arcade, so...
1: It's well, they had video
3: games. They still had these like little Nintendo things. They or, did. That's what he Now It was on Genesis.
1: Well, yeah. Well, they had a NES system, which had 620 different games. So that was one of them. Oh, I love those things. Yeah. So I was playing that for a while. Then yesterday was funny. We were playing this, uh, this game while we were eating dinner. Name three things... Of a specific category in five seconds, it led to a lot of heated debates too. So basically, you have five seconds. Like if I said name three NFL teams, you have to say it in five seconds. Well, that's not too hard, right? But there's all, it's all different categories. But there were some discussions that got heated on that. No, well, you crazy. get me heated on this show. It was crazy. Yeah.
3: It would be great if we actually did something like that on this show. Maybe we'll figure out a game where we can play with the fans, where the fans can get involved with us, and maybe argue points just like we do with Debate Hour. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, as you could see, Speedy had a great weekend. I did not have a great weekend. It was a lot of work, a lot of stress, as you guys know. And here on Long Island, it, it was like it, – it makes me flustered because – One day it's nice, the other day it's cold. The other day it's warm, the next day is cool. The weather can never stay the same in springtime here in Long Island, New York. March is a terrible time because you have rain, you can have snow, you can have it cold. Or today you can have it at 70, almost 70 degrees today. It's Mm -hmm. unbelievable the weather here. And this is why the flu goes around, a.k.a. you-know-what virus. So this has been a problem for not only here in the States... But all over the world, and that is that is why I think slowly but surely you're seeing the transition of different sicknesses and flus and all the different things that are coming out throughout the country and throughout the world. But we're not getting into that today because we're a sports radio network, and I want to get into this whole Aaron Judge situation with the New York Yankees. And I, I know a lot of people will come out and say, well, it, you have to blame the trainers. You have to blame – the doctors of the New York Yankees organization because they're the Yankees and they have the best doctors, the best trainers in the world. But in the last couple of years, especially the last two years, going into this year, last year the Yankees had 33 or 32 big-time injuries that hurt the Yankees throughout the season. Now, did it show? No, the Yankees won 103 games in the regular season last year and they went on to the American League Championship. And they lost against Houston in, what was it, five games, games. six games?
1: But obviously we know why. (laughs) Absolutely.
3: But when you look at this particular injury, this is an injury that you have to shake your head. Because Aaron Judge has had this injury for almost four months. And I'm not talking about four months going into this year. Four months last year in the regular season when he dove for a ball And he hurt his ribs. And the Yankees, how many different CAT scans or MRIs or x-rays that they gave Aaron Judge in the last couple of months. And it just didn't work out for the New York Yankees. Now it comes out. And I I know a lot of people are going to go over this. And they're going to talk about this. And they're going to say, well, you have to look at the Yankees organization. they got to fire this guy. they got to fire this guy. Because they need to fix this problem. Now this is a problem that might not be able to be fixed. And I understand they fired trainers in the last couple of weeks and they fired a bunch of doctors. But this has been going on for years. And the and, and the Yankees were not the team to be laughed at over the years. It was the Mets. Huh.
1: They're still laughed at.
3: But the Mets organization for year in and year out, and with all the injuries they've had, with uh, you talk about Wheeler, you talk about Mats, you talk about Syndergaard, you even talk about the... The Grim Reaper, and I call him the Grim Reaper because he's no longer with the New York Mets, and he had his rib taken out, just like they're talking about possibly Aaron Judge getting one of his ribs taken out. And you know who I'm talking about, the Dark Knight. Mm -hmm. And you look at the Yankees organization as a whole, and this this is an organization that's nothing, they've done nothing but win. This is what they do, they win. But I don't even know if this Yankee team this year can withstand the injuries that they maintained last year in the regular season.
1: Yeah, it's, it's quite an anomaly what happened to them having that many overperformers all at once with all those injuries. It will be tough. That being said, though, the the division as a whole is... Is worse as well, so it might be easier still just to win games and maybe still make it anyway because the Yankees still have a ton of speedy. You spend
3: three hundred and twenty-five million dollars on a pitcher that's only going to pitch every fifth day. You have to do more than just slip right into the playoffs because the division is bad. This is a team that's expected to win. This is a
1: team that's supposed to should expect. Home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Oh, I agree. I'm just saying that if they have this injury bug kind of thing with multiple guys out at once, they already have that with Judge. They already have that with their pitching staff. So if it accumulates to where it was last year, I'm just saying it will be easier just because the Red Sox won't be as good. Tampa is what they always are, and the other two are just bad. <laughs>
3: And again, you cannot tell me, because the Yankees are the best team in the division because they have the most talent, that you expect them, even with the injuries that they have, to squeeze right in and say, you know what, we have the best team, we're the better team, we'll squeeze right into into the playoffs right now because we're going to win the division, we're better than the Red Sox, we're better than the Blue Jays, we're better than the, the Baltimore Orioles, and we're also probably better than the Tampa Bay Rays. So you know what? Even with the injuries that we have, we lose Aaron Judge for the next four months because he's going to have to have rib surgery. Well, we're still going to win. We're still going to sneak into the playoffs, and we still have a chance to win a championship. To me, as a Yankee fan, I would not be happy. This is a team that is expected so to you win think the every would single win year. The
1: Division in those circumstances, absolutely. Okay.
3: Right now, when you look at the New York Yankees as a whole, and with the injuries that they have to James Paxton, you don't know what you're going to get out of Masahiro Tanaka because he still has that UCL uh, tear in his in his elbow. You're talking about Garrett Cole, who did not pitch well in his last two uh, spring training games. And I know it's spring training, but it's spring training. It shows a lot what a pitcher is when you have cameras and shows you a lot what a pitcher doesn't have cameras helping him out. Now, I'm not saying Garrett Cole is not going to pitch well for the New York Yankees because there's no cameras, there's no cheating anymore. I don't believe that. I think Garrett Cole is a good pitcher. But when you lose significant pitchers... Early in the season, you lose Luis Savarino for the whole season now because he's going to have to have Tommy John surgery. I think he just had Tommy John surgery. You have a pitcher right now because of domestic violence that you're not going to see in 60 games. And then you talk about James Paxton. Now you have Montgomery coming back. Garcia has not looked good in spring training so far. Who are the Yankees looking forward to in the beginning of the season? You have Garrett Cole as your number one. You have Tanaka as your two. Who do you have as your three? J.A. Happ? Montgomery, who hasn't pitched in almost two
1: years? Yeah, I doubt they'd rush him to a three.
3: Garcia? A young pitcher who's only 20 years old? (laughs) Good luck with that. I mean, where are the Yankees going as far as their pitching staff is concerned? If J.A. Happ doesn't have a better season than he had last year, the Yankees are in trouble.
1: Well, he's always boom or bust, so you don't know what to expect with him. The contract is, it still looks bad, but, I mean, he could boom like he did in the trade deadline at the end of the 2018 season, maybe 2015 when he first came over to the t- Toronto Blue Jays. So you just got to hope that ends up happening because, again, he, stuff-wise, he's not a great pitcher. Stats-wise, he's normally not a great pitcher, but he has had weird good years. I look at the
3: Yankees, and even Aaron Judge. Go look at the numbers from 2018, 2019. We're not going to talk about his 2017 season, his rookie season. Well, it wasn't his rookie season, but it was his full rookie season where he hit 52 home runs and 114 RBIs and should have won the MVP. 2018, he played 112 games. He had 27 home runs and 67 RBIs. This is one of the best players in the league right now. 2019, last year, played 102 games, had exactly 27 home runs and 55 RBIs. This is also a player that's going to be a free agent in about a year and a half, Where is he's going to expect money like a Christian Yelich who got to $215 million in right. over the weekend from the Milwaukee Brewers. Aaron Judge is expecting big money. Because this might be his only big contract, not only with the Yankees, but maybe in his career, because he'll be 30 next year.
1: Right, and they're, the way GMs are flowing, they don't value as much when it comes to older players that have had previous success anymore. It's now, if you're young, we'll pay you. If not, we're going to gamble on you, and that could lead to a bunch of two-year deals. That could lead to a bunch of discounted contracts where – judge might not have that if they have all the injury issues if he gets to age 31 age 32 still having this pace
3: well it bothers me when you look at the yankees and i'm a yankee fan everybody that knows me and knows what i talk about and i am a i'm a realist yankee fan and as a realist and i look at the yankees right now with the injuries that they have to go into the season with this is not a good sign for the new york yankees early in the season when you're going to depend again on young players or players that were second-tier players or third-tier players in your farm system to come up and play. Now, I'm not saying Clint Frazier is a second- or third-tier player. I think he's a first-tier player who could be a great starting right fielder or left fielder for the New York Yankees in the future. (laughs) But another
1: guy that had trouble staying healthy. And
3: another guy that can't catch the ball in the field. Mm -hmm. And then you add Andahar, who has another – great bat, when you're going to put back into that lineup after missing him for a whole year last year because of the shoulder injury. This is a guy that's never played left field in his career. This guy was a third baseman his whole career, even in when he was playing in the Dominican Republic. You look at the Yankees right now, there is no sure thing but besides Glaber Torres and DJ LeMayu. And I don't want to hear about Gary Sanchez because as good as Gary Sanchez has been as a catcher, and I don't want to hear about the Yankee fan saying that he is not a good catcher in this league. (laughs) It's the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard a Yankee fan even say. This guy is one of the top three catchers in baseball. You can't count on Gary Sanchez all year round to take up the missing piece of Aaron Judge's power in the lineup. And you don't even know what John Giancarlo Stanton is, is going to be this year because he's already starting a season on the IL. You don't have your starting outfield for almost till 4th of July. Giancarlo Stanton's going to miss about two or three weeks in the beginning of the season. Aaron Hicks is not going to be back until the end of 4th of July, maybe All-Star weekend. Aaron Judge, we don't even know when he's going to come back or if he's going to have surgery. That's something as a Yankee fan, and all you Yankee fans, that's what you should be worrying about. But more than anything, you're going to be, you're going to be able to bring players up from the farm system that's going to give you power, it's going to give you the, the batting that you need to move forward. What about their pitching? The Yankees spent a ton of money in the offseason this year for Garrett Cole, expecting this to be the year where they're going to make a run
1: for a World Series. Right, they got Garrett Cole for the postseason, not for the regular season.
3: It doesn't matter. What did Garrett Cole do in the postseason last year Up in and the down. World Up Series? And down. Okay, so you can't bet on Garrett Cole. If you're going to do that, you should have went after Steven Strasburg. He has a better right. he has better numbers in the playoffs than uh, Garrett Cole. You are expecting Garrett Cole to have a Cy Young season again this year. You expect him to win 17, 18 games as an ace. You're paying him that. You're expecting him to have over 300 strikeouts, and you're expecting him to be the anchor of your pitching staff. But what is your pitching staff right now? Who do you depend on in this pitching staff besides Garrett Cole and Masahiro Tanaka? There is none. And the same thing happened to the Yankees last year. And everybody says, well, we need an ace. We need an ace. The Yankees bring in an ace and then they have these problems. You don't have James Paxson for three months. You don't have this guy for three months or four months or for the season. This has been a problem. And everybody, and including, I talk about Tyler Harris, Harrison, you talk about Matty Caps, who can't stand Aaron Boone. And that's fine, you can't stand him. Tell me, a manager right now in baseball that could deal with the problems Aaron Boone has dealt with in the last two seasons and still win 100 games. The answer is, no one. And if Aaron Judge, if Aaron Judge doesn't come back this year, that's going to put the Yankees in a big hole. Because then you're going to have to depend on John Carlo Stanton to stay healthy for at least 125 games.
1: Hey, he's not going to be able to DH every game like the Yankees were able to have him do last year in the second half of the season when all the outfielders were healthy. So they're going to have to have him play the outfield a lot more, especially if Andujar has trouble in left field. They're going to have to DH him a lot more often, and then they're going to have to DH Sanchez at times. So that'll make it harder on him in terms of the leg injuries he's had in the past too. And and you also have to look at the,
3: the other big picture, is when you look at the Yankees training staff now, which everybody – I guess was fired in the last couple of weeks, or most of them were fired in the last couple of weeks. You're going to bring in a bunch of trainers that again, doesn't have the experience with these players, maybe from other teams and other organizations, but don't have the experience with these players. And how long is it going to take these trainers to build a rapport with these players where they feel these players trust these trainers to expect them to get back on the field and be healthy? These are things that, as a Yankee fan, or even anybody that isn't a Yankee fan, that likes the Yankees in the playoffs, or wants to see the Yankees in the World Series, you have to worry about. Because this team right now, on paper, with the injuries they have, as good as they are on paper, that doesn't mean a damn thing. And it worries me as as a fan, are really analyzing the Yankees for the, re- for the whole season, which I will be doing. Trust me, I will. And I'm not going to talk bad about somebody that I think has been a good manager for the New York Yankees. And that's Aaron Boone. If Aaron Boone has another 100-win season with all the injuries starting the season that they have right now, if he doesn't win the manager of the year this year, there's a problem with the major
1: leagues. I also said last week, if they don't go to the World Series this year, you think he should be fired at the end Absolutely. of the year, too.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Because it, but again, I didn't expect James Paxson to be out three or four months. I didn't expect Tanaka. I, I expect Tanaka to stay healthy. I, I expect I, I expected Savarino to play all season long. He's out for the season. And, and that big contract that they gave Savarino, the Yankees knew Severino was hurt. That's why they got a discount. Right. Think about it this way. Shoulder injury. He signed a four-year deal with the New York Yankees. He missed practically a whole season last year. That's one year. He's going to miss the whole season this year. That's two years. He's not going to come back until the middle of next season. So what does he have? A year and a half left of his contract, and then he becomes a free agent again. So the Yankees lost him for two years, and they're paying the kid that kind of money, $12 million a year for sitting on the bench. So the Yankees really got robbed out of that contract as well. Now, you could say whatever you want, and you want to you say that Brian Cashman's a terrible GM, <laughs> which is
1: ridiculous far as from well? That's the truth. That, that, you want to talk about a guy that deserves a lot of credit for last year? That would be him finding the gems that he did that overperformed for them throughout the season. That kind of thing doesn't happen overnight.
3: And you're expecting DJ LeMay to have another season that he had last year in the Bronx. And I don't know if he can do that again. No,
1: you have to expect some regression, but he still is a top second baseman one of the best in the league. And again, a lot of people just didn't know it, how good he was. And now if he plays more second base full time, he's, he's a very good glove defensively too, which helps a lot as well. Especially if these pitchers are third, fourth, fifth tier pitchers that are coming off the injury that are replacing these injured guys, they're going to have to rely a lot more on position player defense too.
3: I will leave you with this, Yankee fans. If any of you Yankee fans believe that they're going to go into this season with these significant injuries and they're just going to fly by because the American League East is bad, you have another thing coming. Because as bad as the American League East looks, there could be a surprise team, and that team is the Blue Jays. And with that lineup, yes, they don't have the pitching, and they went after some uh, pitchers in the offseason this year, but they this team could surprise a lot of people. They have the lineup. They have the power in the lineup to contain and and compete with a team like the Yankees. They did it last year. They're the only team that came close to a winning season with the Yankees in the American League East out of all the teams. That's saying a lot. They play well against the Yankees. And if the Yankees are the best team in the American League East, you know teams are going to be gunning for them. Especially with that Garrett Cole contract that they gave him three hundred and twenty-five million, and Garrett Cole better put up or shut up because this guy sat around expecting the Yankees to open up their wallet when he was drafted in two thousand eight by the Yankees, and he decided to go back to college. So he better pan out and show up to games in Yankee Stadium. Six three one nine six five four nine nine zero. We are going to have a special guest at seven o'clock. Rich Rick, I'm sorry, Rick Curdy. The founder and CEO of the Charlotte Bats. And let's bring MLB to the Charlotte, or, you know, Charlotte City. So we're going to get on the We're going to have him on the phone. We're going to talk about Charlotte baseball and why he thinks the Charlotte City can bring in a major league team. We'll get into that. When we come back, is Pop going somewhere else? And I'm talking about Greg Popovich. Is he heading to another NBA team? We'll get into that a little bit later. And Hawks CEO Steve Cunnan. Starts, is starting to bring in some thoughts on what the NBA should do and how they should transition the season to the playoffs. When we come back, we'll get into that here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're
0: listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
3: And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Down to the Wire. Remember, you can call us at 631-965-4990. I almost forgot my own number. (laughs) Yeah. And remember, you can follow us by going to our website at WorldWideSportsRadio.com. And you can search us on every single platform, on every single, I guess, digital platform. You can follow us on Radio.com. Tune in radio, iHeartRadio, YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, Twitter. We're on all, every, we're on every single avenue when it comes to uh, social media, as far as I'm concerned. But interesting things happened this weekend, Speedy. And I'll tell you this I was very surprised the Brooklyn Nets fired their coach. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Nobody would have thought that the Brooklyn Nets were going to fire Kenny Atkins. Nobody. And the story came out that Sean Marks had Atkins come in and speak to the high-ups, the, the organization owners and, and the people that have money invested into the organization. And they wanted to know his thoughts on where this team is heading. And after the meeting, Kenny Atkins was no longer the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Now Kevin Durant came out over the weekend and said that this team is, you know, what I what he thought this team was on its way of being is completely fallen off. That this team does not know where it's going. When you fire a head coach in the middle of the season when you're a playoff team and expect these players like Kyrie Irving and guys like Kevin Durant to expect that this team absolutely knows where they're heading as a team, as an organization, when they were expected to be a championship competitive team next year,
1: especially the way Laverde is playing. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I think this kind of thing, if it happened, would have happened in the off season, if it was going to happen, because the Nets, even though they've been a little down from where they were last year, they have still been a playoff competitive team. They're still, I think at 500 right now or slightly below, but they're, they were right around where they were last year. And again, it, a lot of times when you see coaches fired in the NBA now it's because of the superstar players. It's a player-run league now. If you don't if you don't get along with the superstar player, you're not going you're not going to keep your job very much longer. So that kind of thing could have happened with Kyrie Irving with Kevin Durant if it happened, but because of them not playing for pretty much all year and him still having the team young, I'm surprised they would have committed to getting rid of him that quickly. So it seemed kind of bizarre in that case and I think Kenny Atkinson will get a job very quickly once the offseason begins, because he has been a good coach for a while, and he's good with the young players, and good with a lot of unknown players, too.
3: Well, think about it this way.
1: There is a team across
3: the river that's going to be looking for a head coach at the end of season's mm-hmm. end, and, I, and we were talking about Thibodeau, and Jeff Van Gundy, and Mark Jackson, and now you have another New York representative that is now available, who worked as an assistant coach with the New York Knicks organization for many, many years, in Kenny Atkinson. Now, Kenny Atkinson is a very high-profile coach now, and there are not just the New York Knicks are going to be looking at him. There are plenty of teams that'll be looking at Kenny Atkins that are going to be looking for a coach in the off-season. And right now, the Nets are twenty-nine and thirty-four.
1: Oh wow, they're actually worse than I thought. Okay.
3: They're, they're right now the seventh seed. In the Eastern Conference. Which doesn't say much. And they don't have Kyrie Irving practically for the rest of the season. And they're not going to see Kevin Durant until next year. Now you would think after this offseason bringing in Kevin Durant and Jordan. That they would give Atkinson a little bit more time with Kevin Durant and with Jordan. To see what Mm -hmm. team they have enforced. But obviously, everybody that thought Sean Marks knew what he was doing, unless he has something planned that he's going to bring Greg Popovich, and that's what we're going to get into right now. Mm -hmm. If he actually thinks that Greg Popovich is going to flee the San Antonio Spurs to come and work for him, then I understand why they got rid of Kenny Atkinson. But even bringing in Greg Popovich, Greg Popovich is on the end of his career. No, this is a the
1: contract wouldn't be very long.
3: This guy is in his 70s now. How many years does this guy have left? Two? Three years? Yeah. You saw what he did with, with this team, the Spurs team. The Spurs team is not even a playoff team. And I told you guys this over and over again. The coach is as good as the players he's coaching. Tim Duncan retires. This team has not been the same team since he's retired. I don't care what well, anybody a, says. They had a
1: star player that decided to sit out the whole year. Um,
3: even if, with Kawhi Leonard, they weren't winning anything. No. Even with Kawhi, they weren't winning anything.
1: And it
3: shows you how important Tim Duncan was to that organization and Greg Popovich's career. Now, I'm not saying Greg Popovich and Pop, whatever you want to call him. Pop is not a good coach. But he has not won without his star player. And that's saying a lot. If you're going to say you're a great coach, Pat Riley was a great coach. Because Pat Riley took over the Miami Heat when he needed to when Shaq came to the team to help them win a championship. He made sure that he was going to help them win a championship even if he wasn't the GM and he had to take over the coaching job. And he did. And they won. And you can say what you want about Phil Jackson. Everywhere Phil Jackson went, no matter who he was coaching, he won. Everywhere he went. Yes, he was coaching Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman, and then went to Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant and all the other Muskrats that they had on that team. <clears throat> you could say whatever you want. Greg Popovich has not won. Since Tim Duncan retired. Now you're bringing in a 70-year-old coach. If he's available. If he becomes available. And by the way, you're going to have to trade for him. because So you're going to have to give up like probably a Karis LeVert. And possibly a draft pick in return for Gray Popovich. Because they're not just going to give him away. And he's still under contract. And that's a lot to give up for a 70-year-old coach that hasn't won. In a very long. Well, he time. hasn't
1: won, also because don't Juan, make
3: an excuse because there is no excuse. He has not won in about five years now. Okay, but it's also
1: the league has changed a lot since when he started all right. coaching, and, he, and, and everybody
3: thinks he's still the best coach in the NBA. Well, if you're the best coach in the NBA, it doesn't matter who you're coaching;
1: you win. Right, but the coaching element of the NBA has only been limited to certain teams, though, too, where because it's a player-driven league, all superstar. So you're willing will take to give over. up. So you're willing to give up,
3: Karis Levert. And a first-round draft pick for Greg Popovich. Is that, what you're, is, is that what you're saying? You're willing to give up a guy that can probably score you in the future. This kid's only 22, 23 years old. He's not even in the prime of his career. He's playing great basketball right now. He's been the best player. In this past week, he's been the best player in the league. And you're willing to give up Karis LeVert, who you drafted at number 19, number 20. He was a gem. He's probably... One of the best players in that year's draft. You're okay. willing to give him up and a first-round draft pick for Greg Popovich. Okay,
1: here's the reason why, yeah. One of which is Karis LeVert has been injury-prone throughout his career. So what? That's S- not an excuse. Okay. You're giving they- up a player of that magnitude for a guy that hasn't won. Okay, for a guy that hasn't won, but he's still been very good with less talent after Duncan retired. They still were playoff teams every year. Playing Ooh. against...
3: Okay. It's about winning championships, and right. great. Okay. And Greg
1: Popovich will be the
3: first person to tell you that.
1: Right, but again, the teams were never the best teams once he retired. You had, he, he had they were a top five seed with Kawhi Leonard sitting out the whole year and not playing at all. Who was the best player, LaMarcus Aldridge, who you say is overrated all the time? So he,
3: he is overrated. So
1: uh, exactly. So you, him, not many coaches would get them to a top five seed amidst all that. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: when you think of the
3: particular argument of Greg Popovich going to the Brooklyn Nets, my question isn't that Greg Popovich isn't a good coach. My question is, what is one one guy who's sitting on the bench going to make this team better? Now, Kevin Durant's coming to the team, so that already makes the team better. If you had Kenny Atkinson there, what's the difference? Now, Popovich has a winning stability background. But he also had one of the best GMs running the organization. And he also has he also had arguably Tim Duncan, the great the greatest power forward in NBA history. Since then, he hasn't won anything. He hasn't gone anywhere, and I don't care what Jeff's going to say. Well, he's in the Western Conference, and that's why he's nowhere. My argument here is you're not going to give away possibly a star player and a first-round draft pick for Greg Popovich, a washed-up Greg Popovich, who, yes, is a great coach, was a great coach, no longer a great coach. Go ahead, put him through, Speedy. What's up, Jeff? How are you, Jeff? How are you, Jeff? How are you? I'm good, Errol. How are
2: you? I'm good. Listen, man, if I'm the Nets, I make that trade all day long. And of I course, agree. I agree.
3: <laughs> and of course you would say something like that. And why would you make that trade every single day?
2: why I would make that trade. The Nets draft pick is a, you can always find outliers in the draft that have been drafted where the Nets are going to be drafting, which is like ten or below, that become superstars. You're always going to be able to find those outliers. However, not Most of the time, many of those guys don't pan out. So I don't think that the draft pick is a big deal. I would let Taris Levert go because you still have Spencer Dinwiddie getting Kevin Durant back. But I think most importantly for the Nets is you need a coach that can manage personalities that can't just be run out of town like the guy they just ran out or they're talking about Tyron Lue or something oh, like geez. that. You can't have a coach that's just going to be pushed around
3: by the players. You, you can't have it. And I agree with you. But again, Greg Popovich is not the same Greg Popovich from five years ago. <laughs> this is an older, brittle guy that you could see him on the bench. He's not the same charismatic coach we've seen over the years with the San Antonio Spurs. Now you can say what you want, and I believe Tim Duncan will be the next head coach of the Spurs. If Popovich leaves, I believe Greg uh, uh, Tim Duncan will be the next head coach of the San Antonio Spurs. But that's not even my argument here. My argument is, is, is that you're going to give up on a player that could become a star and a first-round draft pick that could still be close to a lottery pick. They might not make the playoffs. They might fall out of the playoffs right now, losing Kenny Atkinson. They could be the 14th or 13th pick and maybe move up because of the way the draft and the lottery is now. So you're willing to give that up for Greg Popovich, who has not won. He has he not hasn't won. won in a
1: Western Conference that's filled with other teams. That is thoughts. not an excuse,
3: Speedy. When everybody says you're the best coach in the NBA and you're not winning, you're going to be your fingers are going to point at him if he's not winning. Okay, I don't want to hear it. How, many of, I the, don't hear how it. many
1: of the guys you that you consider the best coach in the NBA are on teams that have these superstars?
3: Again, that's not an argument and that's not, my, I mean, my, that's not I'm not going to accept that, that any, answer.
2: That's not even the question for me though. The question for me is Name a coach that they can get, whether it's available or whoever. Who's the next coach of the net that can manage personalities, especially one that has a terrible attitude like Kyrie Irving, who, by the way, may be a franchise killer?
3: Well, again, if you're going to bring Greg Popovich in, how are you going to tell everybody that you're going to still be able to control Kyrie Irving? Greg Popovich, over the years, and you know he's had problems with Kawhi Leonard, this is there's nothing hidden behind that. There are facts to that story. And you you think of Greg Popovich right now going into this season, everybody expected the Spurs to be somewhat of a playoff team. They're not even going to make the playoffs. Right now they're under 500 by what? 5 games. And you're you're expect now you're hearing stories that the Spurs might be willing to trade Greg Popovich, but they're going to they're going to ask for a king's ransom. They might ask for another first-round draft pick.
1: But if there's a team that survived all these, it's the Nets. So you think adding Greg Popovich...
3: Popovich.
2: At least Popovich has a record of dealing with personalities, Tony Parker and and Tim Duncan and and star guys. He has a record of dealing with star players. You still haven't answered. If Popovich isn't the guy for the Nets, who's going to be the guy that the Nets can bring in if they
3: just run out of town? Uh, uh, Again. Maybe even if it's not Greg Popovich, there are not, and even even if it is Greg Popovich, how, who's to say that Greg Popovich is going to be able to control Kyrie Irving? Because he he's couldn't, time, he couldn't, he's a
2: long time respected NBA coach. Nick, he
1: couldn't Bobby control Irvin, Kawhi yeah. Leonard, he Rem- couldn't control But Kawhi also, Leonard. remember, Kyrie Irving, when he initially got traded to Boston, had the Spurs as one of the teams he wanted to go to, too, because he, of Greg. He's Kawhi. had
3: problems with Marcus Aldrich for how many years? I don't want to hear it, Speedy. He's had problems with these two players, and both of them, they were going to try to trade LaMarcus Aldridge last year. They couldn't trade him. And then they they, they decided to move on from Kawhi Leonard because he didn't want to be there anymore. And that had a lot okay, to do you with don't Greg like, Popovich. Okay you, don't
2: like Greg, okay, you don't like Greg Popovich.
3: I'm not saying He's I don't like him. That I'm not giving in that
2: they can't just Jeff, Van Jeff Van Gundy.
3: Jeff Van Gundy. Jeff Van Gundy.
2: Van Gundy probably is going to be the Knicks coach, right? Isn't that what everyone's saying?
3: No, I don't think Jeff Van Gundy is going to take that job. I, I don't. I think he'll be interviewed. I think the guys that you're going to be looking at, and I've been saying this over and over again, I think it's Mark Jackson or Tom Thibodeau. I think it's one or the other. And now that Kenny Atkinson is available and he's a New York Mm -hmm. native, he will be a guy that the Knicks will absolutely interview for the position. Now, does it mean he's going to get the job? Probably not because I believe Rose has his thoughts on who he wants to take over. And I, and again, I'm going to say this, and I've said this over and over again. I think it's Tom Thibodeau. I think he fits what the Knicks need. They need a defensive-minded guy that is not going to – he's going to demand defense. That's something the that Knicks haven't a had for graphic, years. great graphic,
2: by the way. I do love that graphic. It's that beautiful. Thank
3: you, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, <Jesus>. I, <laughs> but uh, I will tell you this, Jeff. You're right. If, if you were the Nets right now, and if you were a Net fan right now, would you take Greg Popovich for Karis LeVert in a first-round draft pick? Most Net fans will say yes, but what Greg Popovich are you going to get? Are you going to get the Greg Popovich of the the early ninety late 90s, early two thousand San Antonio Spurs? Are you going to get an old Greg Popovich that's going to sit on the bench and demand things from players that still won't listen to him? Because there are players. I'm, there are players right now. DeRozan, I've been hearing stories from San Antonio that DeRozan and Greg Popovich have had, have had problems too. And that's why he wants out of San Antonio as well. That's I not mean, a I'm good sign.
2: i I would want Greg Popovich for one reason only, like, truthfully, is because, you know, I mean, uh, let's be honest here. Kyrie Irving now has the rap that he's a franchise killer, that he's the cancer in the locker room and can't get along with anyone. And if he can't straighten up for Pop, then he's not going to straighten up for anybody. Like, it would be a make-or-break moment for Kyrie's reputation.
3: But how are you going to get rid of that contract? You have him for the next four years. You gave him a long-term deal. And you're not going to be able to move on from him. You're going to have to move on from Greg Popovich, a.k.a. Kenny Atkinson, who everybody loved last year. Oh, he's the greatest. Oh, look what he did with the Nets. And then this year, in the second half of the season, they get rid of him. I mean, that's, well, again, that's saying a lot. a lot. of
2: people believe that that's, that's um, you know, what Kyrie's doing, though.
3: It could be Irving, uh, Kyrie Irving's doing or it could be something else with the organization. They just didn't want him there anymore. Maybe Mark's decided, you know what, he speaks too much. I don't want him to speak anymore. I don't want him to speak to the press the way he's been speaking to the press, giving them information about the organization. Because if you watch the the Nets press conferences, Kenny Atkinson is very open with the press. He's telling you what's going on in the locker room. He's telling you what's going on with the team and why the team isn't playing well. And there are a lot of coaches, a.k.a. David Fizdale, who still, even when he got fired, didn't speak up on what was going on in the locker room. And hence the reason why this guy Miller, who nobody is even heard of, has been better as a head coach than David Fizdale, the Knicks' number one pick. So, again, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know where the Nets are going with this, and maybe they do get Gray Popovich. I don't know if this is going to make them a championship competitive team. It will give them some, something to talk. It will give the league something to talk about in the offseason. Oh, the, Knicks, the Nets got Greg Popovich, and Kevin Durant's coming back, and Kyrie Irving's going to be healthy. Blah, 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 blah. That's not going to make them a championship competitive team. It doesn't
1: guarantee it, but it boosts their chances how, in an already weak Eastern how, Conference. How?
3: You're giving away uh, your third best player by far. Your third best player, okay. and you're giving up a first round draft pick and possibly another first round because I know the Spurs are going to ask for a Kings ransom for Greg Popovich. If you want Greg Popovich, I mean, is, you're going to have to Harris open your is pockets. Like their third best player. I'm sorry. Is Karis LeVert? I think best so, player? and it's not. I Spencer
1: think talent wise, he is, but again, he's always injury prone too. So I, mean, I would.
2: I like Spencer Dinwiddie, I mean, and they're
1: talking about trading
3: him next year. They're talking about trading him already because Kyrie Irvin and him have not gotten along in the locker room. I don't know about you, Jeff. I know you live in Tampa, but over here in New York, everything that I've heard is Kyrie Irvin and Spencer Dinwiddie are not getting along in the locker room. And they've been trying to move him. They were trying to move him at the trade deadline. So I mean, but,
2: but again, look at what's happening right now in Brooklyn. Okay, and And I don't want to rehash old things. But there was a major revolt in Boston last year. Al Horford had to go to Philadelphia because he didn't want to be around Kyrie Irving. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both hated Kyrie Irving. Without them, they have without him, they've flourished. Who's the common denominator here? Is Jalen Brown playing in Brooklyn? Is, is Jason Tatum playing in Brooklyn? Who's who's the guy that's upsetting the, the apple cart? It's Kyrie Irving. You need to find a dude that's going to be able to manage. Those personalities. And I don't think a guy that's been run out of Cleveland and run out of the Lakers organization and, and all these other things, and Tyron or some of these other guys, can do it. Mm-hmm. I think your best bet is to get a Greg Popovich. And and listen, maybe your alternative in Jeff Van Gundy is another good one. Maybe mm-hmm. Jeff Van Gundy's like, I think he's hey, perfect. Shit if I get fired or, or not or whatever, he's going to do the right thing. But someone has to try to rein in Kyrie Irving.
3: I agree. Jeff, thank you for calling. We have our special guest. Uh, We're going to actually put him through when we come back from break. Jeff, thank you for calling, my friend. See you, man. Jeff from Tampa, ladies and gentlemen, always a good call. Uh, When we come back, we're going to have a special guest. If you guys don't know him, Rick Curdy, the founder and CEO of the Charlotte Bats. And let's bring MLB to the Charlotte organization. When we come back, we will have Rick Curdy on the phone.
0: It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Six three one nine
3: six five four nine nine zero. You know what it is? We keep changing our number. And it really throws me off. But as you guys know, you can call us at 631-965-4990 and follow us on all our social medias. How do you do that? All you have to do is go to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. You can follow us on all our platforms. As you guys know, Speedy Petey, we have a special guest, my friends. A very, very special guest. We've been talking on Twitter for the last couple of weeks. This guy is not only respected in in the baseball world – but I've, I've read a little bit about him, and I just absolutely enjoyed reading uh, a quick summary about what this guy is doing in Charlotte. We are going to speak uh, – we are speaking to Rich – well, Rick Curdy, founder and CEO of the Charlotte Bats. And let's bring MLB to Charlotte. What's going on, Rick? How are you? How are you, my friends? I'm going to put you, put you up a little bit because we can't hear you. I, I don't know what uh, – you're a little low over there. You hear us now? No,
1: oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm okay
3: you're good you're good put a little little bit louder a little bit louder okay you want speakerphone can you
4: hear me okay
3: i hear you a little bit you're a little low i'm gonna try to get you up higher hold on okay all right we got you now hopefully we can get you so everybody can hear you we're speaking to rick Curdy, the founder and ceo of charlotte bats what's going on rick not much. how's everybody doing out there we are good my friend and I loved when you reached out to me on Twitter a couple of weeks ago and you you, you expressed what you wanted to do and, and you want to go out there and speak to the public and tell a little bit about why Charlotte needs a professional baseball team but my question first to you is, how did this come along? I know I read four years ago you wanted to bring baseball, Major League Baseball team to Charlotte, to the big city of Charlotte. Was it friends? Were you sitting in a bar hanging out with friends and said, hmm, maybe we bring a baseball team to Charlotte? How, was this, how did this come, come about talking about us? Uh, pretty much it was just out
4: of curiosity. I moved out here about 14 years ago. ago. Um, I'm from Los Angeles originally. And I always wondered, even before I moved here, why North Carolina has never had Major League Baseball. And so it just kind of bothered me. And I would just look and do information about it, about how uh, the city's growth, the population, uh, jobs, the economy. We already have professional football and basketball. We got a professional hockey team in Raleigh. And I just was like, man. I mean, this city has a bigger population than like 14 cities that currently have major league baseball, and Milwaukee's the smallest. And I'm like, and we have another state next door, so we're like two states in one. And I, I was like, man, this is a perfect place for major league baseball, and I just can't figure out why. So, hey, you know what? Let's do it. Let's see if there's any interest up there, and, and we've been growing ever since.
3: You come from LA, so you're a Dodger fan, right?
4: Yes, I am a Dodger fan.
3: So what did you what did you think about the story that came out over the summer about the Astros cheating and the Dodger players like Bellinger coming out and taking shots at Altuve, that Aaron Judge got screwed out of an MVP. What were your thoughts about what happened in the offseason with the Dodgers and the Astros?
4: I hated it, you know, and it's not because I'm a Dodger fan. I hated it for baseball. You know, to me it it was like the 1919 White Sox, to me it was just fraud what they committed. And it wasn't just stealing signs. People keep saying, well, they were stealing signs. No, this was more elaborate. This was like, uh, you know, banging on trash cans and using video cameras, using, like, uh, technology to cheat. And it's just, it's really sad and it's really disgusting that some of the Astros players want to downplay it and say, well, we would have won anyway. So um, it's bad for Major League Baseball. And I was really disappointing the commissioner's response to it as well.
3: How about Charlotte? You talk about the minor league team over there. You brought the minor league team over there since 94. What are your thoughts? I understand where baseball is growing throughout the country. and Me and Speedy were actually talking about my producer over here. We're talking about what city could use a professional baseball team besides Charlotte, and I couldn't think of one. But Charlotte, I've been to Charlotte. It's a it's a get-down su- city right now. It, it's right there on the Carolina area where the towns are big. They're growing. I mean, the, the college is over there. What, what is the the minor league team doing out there right now?
4: Well, we have a minor league baseball team called Charlotte Knights. Um, they used to play in South Carolina. Their attendance was like 3,000. When I first moved here, the attendance was bad. And so eventually they came. They eventually are now in Charlotte. Um, they're in our or downtown here, we call it Uptown Charlotte, where they play at. And their attendance jumped from 3,000 to 9,000 in one season. And they're one of the most uh, popular. Um, the this, this stadium is beautiful. It's one of the most visited ballparks in all of minor league baseball. So um, the attendance is great for minor league baseball. And I'm like, man, they have good attendance, and uh, they can support minor league baseball. Why can't we support major league baseball? We have so many transplants out here from all over, like Ohio, Los Angeles um Virginia all over and and uh, a lot of New York people here and I told them uh, they would like to see the Yankees come out to Charlotte to play a major league baseball games so there's a lot of enthusiasm about it and and um, we're really excited that the commissioner put this on, this on this list in 2015 for expansion.
1: Rick, it actually just led to my next question. How do you think the minor league baseball teams in a pretty big state as it is but also very good support. How do you think that could help bringing the fan bases from all parts of the state and also maybe South Carolina that's neighboring? Because I know they – football with the Panthers, they get a lot of fans down there in South Carolina and with the Hurricanes as well. How do you think that could help in terms of getting fan bases to commit to that area? Because there's not much other baseball in even some of the neighboring states really besides the Atlanta Braves.
4: Yeah, I mean, we're like – uh, four and a half hours from um, Atlanta and we're like natural Washington DC so to me this is a perfect market and I think they would be very enthusiastic and know our city would be I mean you can't turn down the millions and millions of dollars to see a, a team here and the jobs it would provide so we would get a lot of uh, response from our from um, our pro teams from our city council from our Legislation, and um, I've talked to people in, in legislation, and matter what party they were affiliated, they all want to see major league baseball, and uh, it would be very excited. So it would be a lot of enthusiasm, and it'd be like a, a a whole project for not just me doing it, but our whole state, our whole state would be involved as well.
3: We are speaking to Rick Curty, founder and CEO of the Charlotte Bats, and let's bring MLB to Charlotte. Rick, my question to you is, you're looking at baseball right now. season's around the corner. This is the earliest the baseball season's going to start in almost 25 years, which is it's we remember that baseball usually starts the second week of April, or really the the, fir- the end of the first week. Now all of a sudden we're starting at the end of March, which is you know what baseball's trying to do and baseball now is trying to cut games possibly in the future and make more playoffs and make more teams, make the playoffs. It's crazy because I think the rules and the changes where the major league is trying to transition the new age of baseball to the millennial guys that the millennial kids that are into baseball now and trying to make the game faster. My question to you, is the rules the the different changing of the rules like the umpires maybe having a robot call the strikes behind the plate? Do you think this transition and this change of rules is going to help baseball or make it worse?
4: That's a really good question. You know, I'm old school. I hate to see like uh, technology take over sports. You know, I know a human beings make mistakes, but
0: um,
4: I, you know, I'm I'm just not really. You know, like I said, I'm old school, but anything to improve the game, and I know why they're doing it because, like you said, the young people are just not going to the games. The attendance in Major League Baseball has fallen off in the last five or six years, and people are just not going to games. So a lot of it has to do with the games not being fast enough or anything like that. So, you know, for me, it's so weird and so different uh, to see all this technology, but at the same time, I get it. I understand why they're doing it. And they want to attract not only the young people, but unfortunately, um the young African American population are not, don't want to play baseball. They all want to play football. They want to be the next LeBron James. Um and so that's another, uh, demographic that they've, uh, not done at all. So I understand it and I get it. It's just, it, it's going to take me a while to get used to it, but I understand why they're doing it. So anything to improve the game and to bring more people, I'm all in favor for.
1: Rick, if you had a solution to solving this issue that baseball claims they have, even though it's, again, only certain fans, how would you fix it?
4: Um, well, what I would do is I would just reach out to community that would be more for younger people, maybe do more um, uh, kinds of, like, events that would like affect the younger people. I've heard that they want to, like, I heard things like they might want to make it to, like, 7 innings. You know said nine innings. Um, maybe they could do an xFL version of baseball, kind of make it, please don't make it more um more quicker you know I know the um, batters getting out of the batter's box. so I think what I would just do I just would you know like kind of like make it as uh low well, i I'm not a fan of d h and um, I think that that's one of the reasons games take long because the d h I'm my favorite pitch of pitches batting, I mean the d h just takes too long. Um, I would just reach out more to the community, reach out to people, and uh, just you know get them more involved. And uh, probably I would just have a discussion group and say, "What would you like to see in baseball? Why do you not watch it? Just ask the fans. What do you What do you want from it? What do you, What would better for there? I don't think Major Baseball has done that. I think that they made so much money, you know, from the TV deals and the licensing deals. And, you know, the attendance is dropped and you hear all these weird rules like robot umpires and all this stuff. But I would just ask the fans, like, what do you guys want us to do? What do you guys want? What is football doing? What is basketball doing that major league baseball is missing? And I think if we can get that together and work with, like, maybe the NBA and work with the, um, the NFL and to just, you know, have to see what they're doing, I think that could solve a lot of problems.
3: We are speaking to Rick Curti, founder and CEO of the Charlotte Bats, and let's bring MLB to Charlotte. Rick, my question for you with, with baseball as a whole when you look at Rob Manford, and we were just talking about the Astros, and we talk about Pete Rose, and this has been a bother, this has been bothering me since the whole Astros thing came out. Over the summer, really th- throughout the offseason, throughout the winter, and then you're hearing about the Red Sox possibly cheating as well and doing what they did with the Ash- what the Astros did. My thoughts to this: Has Rob Manford done the right thing on trying to um, punish not only the GM and the coach, but really punish the team and the organization and the owner enough to for this never to happen again? And, and that, to me, has been a, a big story right now. And now fans are coming out and taking shots at the Astros organization. And they want the Astros to give them back some of their money or let them, all the season ticket holders, to get a, a huge 50, 60% discount off this year's season.
4: Well, um, I respect the commissioner, but I think the way he handled it's been absolutely abysmal. I think uh, to say that the big punishment is shame. Is really disgraceful because they, they still get the kitchen money. They're still making millions of dollars. They're still playing. They didn't even get suspended. It crazy. They should have been suspended for at least a year. And to me, what they have done is just as bad as what Pete Rose has done. I mean, they actually stained the game with what they're doing, and they won a world championship for it And it just reminds me of the 1919 Black Sox, you know, the whole eight men out where they, you know, gamble, throw away games. Uh, so that, you know, in the World Series, it almost ruined baseball, and hopefully this won't ruin baseball at all. They're, they're trying so hard to, to appease the people, and yet you see something like this going on. It's just really disgraceful, in my opinion. To me, the Astros, what they have done is no better than what T. Rose or Shoeless Joe Jackson has done. So, but the way he handled it has been bad, uh, comparing the World Series trophy as a, what do you call it, a piece of metal, which he later apologized for was bad. And it just seemed very tone deaf as, um, his explanation. I mean, they should, they should have been suspended for a year. They should have been stripped of the title. They should have just been left it vacant. And, you know, a lot of people would be saying, well, you're a Dodger fan. What's your feeling? I feel like that with anybody, even if it was like, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays or somebody. This is bad for Major League Baseball. And, um, the commissioner, the way he's handled has been bad. And now all these players are getting hit in the, uh, with the Astros. They're all getting already like targeted for you know which i don't agree with you shouldn't go targeting after them and you can hit we can hurt somebody so it's just bad right now for baseball um and if the commissioner did something like just suspend for a season or just give away their title i think people would be like okay at least you did something about it but and then, and just their their answer the astros are They were taking so much ownership to it. And then little by little, they started saying, well, you know, it wasn't as bad as you say it is. And even if we did do all that, everyone else is doing it. And, you know, and it's just really sad that that that's the way they're going, saying they would have won it anyway. And it's just it's just not right at all.
1: Rick, I've always said that. The Astros players and other executives haven't been suspended yet because Major League Baseball is waiting to see what's going on with the whole Red Sox investigation. They're using a replay room. them getting sign stealing methods from Alex Cora when he came over and were their manager for the last two years. Do you think maybe they – aren't going to do it at some point, and then they'll suspend the players maybe later in the season once they find out what happens with the Red Sox. How connected do you think those two cases are in- into why that Major League Baseball hasn't done anything impulsively besides Hinch and Lou now so far?
4: I have no idea if they were. I mean, a lot of the players of the NFL have got immunity for it just to tell what's been going on. So for that, that was wrong. So honestly, I don't think they're going to get suspended at all. Like the commissioner said, that their punishment is going to be shame. And their punishment is going to be that they should have an asterisk and people are never going to give them the proper respect like other uh, championships have won it. And to me, that's just not good enough. I mean, shame is it's ridiculous. You know, they don't have shame. The only reason they're sorry is because they got caught. And honestly, whatever happens with the, Astro, uh, with the Red Sox, um, I don't think anything will happen to the Astros. I think the commissioner kind of just wants us to go away. I think he's just going to, I don't know, to sweep it under the rug. He just wants nothing to do with this. And um it's just really, it's just not good at all. It's just that there needs to be more transparency in baseball. So in my opinion, I don't think El Tuve or the rest of them are going, no, I don't think anything's going to happen. So I'll be surprised and I'll, I'll be, I'll hope I'm wrong. I hope that a lot of them do get suspended for at least a season. But um, some of them, I mean, they shouldn't even be playing baseball right now. I mean, it's really sad, you know. And, and then Pete Rose came out and, and said what they have done is worse than what he did. Absolutely. He agree with absolutely. Um He's the last person I really want to hear, you know, you know, cry me, cry me a river. Pete Rose has been doing this for the past 20 years. So, you know, he's like the last person to be like saying what's right and what's wrong. So, but it, to me, what they have done is like, Pete Rose has done, it's like what the uh, steroids, what they have done. To me, that was cheating. And to me, I just compare the Astros to the 1919 uh, uh, Black Sox of Sheila's Joe Jackson.
3: I'm sorry, Rick, and I agree with a lot of things that you said so far in this interview, but I absolutely disagree with the Pete Rose thing. Pete Rose, what he did was not anywhere close to what the Astros did. I'm sorry. He bet on his own team. He bet on his own team, and the fact that the major league Major League Baseball has sat down with this guy year in and year out, and I don't want. And I used to think that Rob Manford was the best GM. I'm sorry, the best commissioner in professional sports. He's not been. I'm sorry, he's not been because this is a guy in Pete Rose that has every single piece of his baseballs, his bats, his jerseys are all hanging up in the Hall of Fame. And this guy, who's one of the greatest, if not the greatest hitter of all time, is still not inducted into the Hall of Fame. To me, that's a catastrophe. And what the Major League is doing to him, especially this whole Astros thing and this whole take that the manager and the GM are only suspended for one year and they can come back to baseball, to me, it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. And the Major Leagues and Rob Manford... I'm telling you right now, Rob Manford, when he becomes available, when CBA is up or his contract is up with the owners, I believe he will be fired because of this whole Astros thing. The way he handled this Astros uh, story – was not good enough for any of the fans. It's not good enough for the owners, the owners, the players. Everybody is upset about it, and his answers to it are not good enough. I'm sorry it's not good enough. And to be be honest with you, sweeping things under the rug like Roger Goodell, look where Roger Goodell is. He's making a lot of money, no question. But how many people hate the guy? How many fans hate the guy that every time you hear his name, they're booing him? So... To me, yeah, he's making the money. Yes, he's bringing baseball in more money. He's trying to figure out ways for baseball to grow, but he's not helping baseball for letting the Astros get away with this particular story, which to me is even worse than steroids. It's absolutely worse than steroids. You've been che- You cheated three years and cheated how many teams out of a World Series championship, and you only won one. No,
4: yeah. I agree, I mean the Astros never won anything. They didn't even go to a World Series till like uh you know on the nineties where they got swept, and you're gonna tell me that uh they're cheating uh didn't profit from them. They went to two World Series in the last five years and finally won one and uh it yeah, I totally agree they should just be banished. they should be just gone away, forget about, and um he's handled it wrong, and I think that <coughs> they will get rid of i sure Manfred and you know they're gonna have to totally clean their image, I, I think who would, who would make a terrific commission would be Cal Ripken Jr., you know, a man of integrity, a man that people respect, the iron horse who never missed a game in 18 years, a record that nobody felt would be broken. There, if there isn't a player that has, doesn't have the respect in Major League Baseball, is Cal Ripken. And if I was like in charge of Major League Baseball, I would just Get rid of Manfred and put Cal Ripkin if he's interested mm-hmm. and just bring back the the integrity of the game because the integrity of the game is lost and yeah I've lost so much respect for Manfred for what he's done I thought he was one of the best commissioners. he was he's got his mind ever and from the way he's handled this whole thing it's been uh, it's a catastrophe it's just it's just really a joke it's it's, it's absolute it's a joke, joke. And, yeah. and there's no accountability for the answer. They keep everything mm-hmm it's, and, uh, it's disgusting. Yeah. It is absolutely it
3: disgusting. Is. And how baseball I is handling this. I, I, I disagree completely, and this is why this is still a story, and the season's two weeks away, and I don't think it's going to be hidden. The Astros are going to be thrown at, and I, I do believe that I don't care what the Astros do this year. Some people think they're going to be a playoff contender. Some people think they're still a championship competitive <laughs> team, but you're hearing <laughs> Justin Verlander is not even starting the season. He's going to be out for at least two or three weeks because of this lat pull. So already you're starting to think that this is going to be a bad year for the Astros. And if it is a bad year, people are going to be pointing the fingers how many bad years they could have had if they didn't cheat. So that, to me, is the story. Again, we're talking to uh, Rick Curdy, founder and CEO of the Charlotte Bats. And let's bring MLB to Charlotte. Last question for me, Rick, before we let you go. And my question is... If I was Manfred right now, and I was sitting with you right now, and I asked you, why should I pick your city than every other city that I've been talking about for expansion teams, bringing expansion baseball to that city? Why should I pick Charlotte?
4: Well, you we would pick Charlotte because we would be a team in the south. You know, to me, one of the true teams in the south is Atlanta. You only have a team in Georgia. I mean, you got Florida and Texas, but, you know, I think another having another team in the South would be great. It'd be a great robbery with Atlanta. You don't have Major League Baseball um, in Virginia. You don't have Major League Baseball um, in South Carolina, and um, so we can have that market right there. We'd be two states in one. Our minor league baseball team is one of the largest attended in all of minor league baseball. We we have already shown that we can support uh, professional sports by having the Carolina Panthers and the Charlotte Hornets, and we have the Carolina Hurricanes in Raleigh. Um, We have so many transplants out here, people from New York. We're big Yankee fans. We have Orioles fans here. We have national fans here. We got fans all over. We have Dodger fans like myself here. Uh, Our economy is strong, or we have... Um, we're known for the banking community, so we have uh, sponsors are here like Bank of America's headquartered here. We have Duke Energy's that's headquartered here, so you have no problems with um, with sponsors. It's this is one of the fastest growing cities in the last 30 years, and I think uh, what makes a different is that having uh, uh, another state next door to us that doesn't have any professional sports at all. They just have Clemson and they have um, uh, the Gamecocks and they have a minor league baseball team and that's it. So you can draw from those people there. So I think that's what makes our, our state very uh, special and very unique.
3: As you guys know, we're talking to Rick Curdy. He is the founder and CEO of the Charlotte Bats. And let's bring MLB to Charlotte. I'll tell you this, Rick. If you do get a major league team, just remember us. Because we would love to yes. be your play-by-play guys. I'll tell you that right now. We we have a guy right here sitting right next to me. is one of the best play-by-play guys when it comes to sports as a whole. He's a great play-by-play guy, and I, I'm the color guy. I'm the funny guy. I'm the crazy guy, and I like to cause the trouble. I like yeah, to cause the, trouble. <laughs> <I like laughs> the <course laughs> trouble. So, Rick, why don't you tell everybody how they can find you, and we're going to stay in touch, my friend.
4: Uh, our website is www.CharlotteBats.com. We actually have a petition on there. Um, it tells about the history of North Carolina and Charlotte and about our organization and a little bit about me. I'm also on Twitter at Baseball. We're on Instagram at Charlotte Bats. Uh, we are on Facebook at Charlotte Bats. And we just started a, a new group page called Let's Bring Major League Baseball to Charlotte. And I have all my pictures of all my interviews I've done and I actually pictures of uh, famous people like and Jr. who we were talking to and Eddie Murray. And, and uh, honestly, um, Archibald Moonlight Graham for the movie um, Feel the Dream. Love that movie. guy yeah. from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. He played for the Charlotte Horns uh, baseball team. And so it talks about the history of, of Charlotte and all these stars that played here. So um, you can reach me there. And if you have any questions, we're at Charlotte, uh, CharlotteBatsBaseball at gmail.com and just ask me a question or how you'd like to get involved.
3: As you guys know, we are speaking and we just spoke to Rick Curdy, founder and CEO of the Charlotte Bats. And let's bring MLB to Charlotte. Rick, thank you for giving us time, my friend.
4: I appreciate it. Thank you guys for giving me this opportunity. I really appreciate it.
3: Absolutely. We'll talk more, my friends. Thank you. Rick Curdy, ladies and gentlemen, when we come back, we're going to, before we get into debate hour, we're going to get into this whole Hawks and what the CEO has come out and said about what the NBA should do with the regular season and how it could bring in more revenue. And we're going to talk about Doug Glainville, who he played for the major leagues. He also played for the Cubs and the Phillies. He said something very very interesting about the Astros and the cheating scandal. When we come back, we'll get into that before debate hour. 631-965-4990. This is down to the wire and we'll be back after this.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
3: 631-965-4990 is the number. As you guys know, this is Down to the Wire, and we are live every single Monday and Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at night, Eastern Time. I'm here with Speedy Petey, the pain in the butt, Speedy Petey, as he is playing King Wishful Thinking, as you guys know, the 80s song. I actually showed Speedy this song, and he now a I big never fan heard of, of it before song.
1: until he showed it now to me last month big, or whatever.
3: Now he's a big fan of the song. I am. So there you go. So he sings it to bed, everybody. (laughs) Sings it in his jammies, as you guys know. As you know, you can follow us by going to our website at WorldWideSportsRadio.com. And you can follow us on all the platforms. And guys, if you're not on Radio.com and subscribing to us, subscribe to us. We'd really appreciate it. And our app should be out eventually. I don't know. I've been saying this for a couple of months, so... (laughs) Whenever it comes out, I'll let you guys know. So I'm not going to blow it Classic up until Apple. it happens. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> terrible. Absolutely terrible. The, these different, you know, rules and regulations that Apple has just throws me off on really what this organization is all about. And I like Apple products. I really do. I'm not a big fan of their phones, but I like their computers. I like their iMacs and their MacBooks. I'm just not a big fan of their phones. And obviously their phones, the iOS system, is the worst System known to man, because for some reason, they're not approving the different coding and different codes that we're trying to possess on our app. So hopefully very, very soon in the near future, our app will be up so you guys can download it and follow us and watch us and read our stories. Uh, We're very excited when it does come out to promote it and push it for the, the near future. But I do want to get into these two stories before debate hour. We're going to go to a quick break after these two stories, and we're going to get the debate questions up. It's only going to be three debate questions today. Tomorrow there will be more. The story about uh, Doug Laneville and, and Speedy actually gave me this story before the show started. And Doug Laneville actually played for the Phillies and the Cubs over – I think he was an infielder, right?
1: Outfielder. Outfielder. Uh, how many years did he play in the major leagues? I'm not sure, but he played during the steroid era.
3: All right, so – there you go, and, and maybe he did steroids. I, I don't know, and I, he hasn't come out. There was no stories coming out that he did do steroids, but he said something interesting in this article that came out today. And
1: 1996 to 2004.
3: Okay, so and he had 3,964 at-bats. He had, at had 1,100 hits, so he had a decent major league career, and he batted two seventy seven in his whole career. So that's not bad numbers. But Doug Laneville actually came out today stating that the steroid era is worse Than Spygate or whatever you want to call it, Cameragate uh, with the Houston Astros. And I'm going to tell you this, Doug, and I I don't know you personally, and I'm looking at your numbers as a major league player. Those aren't really that bad numbers, but I don't care how many years you played in the major leagues. And I don't care what you have to say about the steroid era. The steroid era saved baseball. It saved baseball when the strike came around in 94-95. And then when baseball came back with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, you didn't see Bud Selig complain about the steroid era, did you? You didn't. Because Bud Selig knew that baseball was falling apart and they needed something to drive it forward. And Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were the type of guys to do it. Now, I understand Rafael Palmero lot the Congress, and we've heard stories behind, stories behind stories about who was taking steroids and who wasn't taking steroids. Alex Rodriguez threatening people's lives because he was taking steroids and he wanted to keep it a secret. To me, and you can say whatever you want, steroids is nowhere close to what the Houston Astros did in the last three seasons. Not even close. And the fact that you talk about the way Congress got involved with the steroid issue. Why isn't Congress getting involved with the Astros cheating? Maybe because it's a, not a league-wide thing. Maybe it's just because it's a one-team thing. A one-team thing. It affected uh, revenue for organizations like the Yankees, like the Dodgers. That could. I know. I understand. Everybody says like they need the money. <laughs> but
1: yeah, I was just going to say that.
3: <laughs> nevertheless, that took away millions and millions of dollars through revenue. From the Yankees. And maybe champions from the the Dodgers, the Yankees, uh, maybe the Phillies, whoever. Whoever was in the playoffs in the last couple of years that uh, had a chance. And obviously not the Phillies because they're from the National League. But you know the American League teams that played the Astros over the years. The Red Sox being one of them a couple of years ago. Getting swept out of the playoffs. And they were the number one seed in the American League. And Altuve hitting three three home runs against Chris Sale in the first game of the playoffs. Uh I wonder how he did that. But to me, baseball, since this story came out, has been an absolute mockery. And Rob Manford is the trophy man. He's the counterman in the face of this Catastrophe, and it is a catastrophe. And you can say whatever you want. And owners could say, "Well, it's not going to affect the season." It already has.
1: Oh, it already, and it will all season.
3: It already has. You have players, big time superstars like Bellinger, who won the MVP last year, and Aaron Judge, who should have won the uh, the MVP three years ago. From him, it was him and Altuve, and Altuve right. won. <laughs> I mean, you've had players... Giancarlo Stanton coming out and saying that if he knew what pitch was coming at him, he'd hit 80 home runs in a season.
1: If he stays healthy.
3: When you have players coming out... Over and over and over again. Even players that have retired have come out and taken shots at the Houston Astros and that organization. And the fact that the owner has not been disciplined, to me, is an absolute mockery. And the fact that Doug Glainville, who I've never even heard of. That's why I asked you who he is and who he played for and what position he played. Because I never even heard of the guy. He comes out and says "The the steroid era is worse than this era. That is a ridiculous statement. And to me, he should take it back.
1: Well again the difference with the steroids and the sign stealing is the sign stealing is a is a team based thing it clearly benefited one team the steroid era benefited those certain players but it wasn't like a whole team had seven guys a whole lineup using steroids and that's why they won Barry Bonds still only went to one world series whether you use steroids or not Roger Clemens I think he won I think two world series but again he wasn't in the playoffs all the time with the certain teams he was on. It'd be
3: different if Barry Bonds came out and said something about this particular situation because Barry Bonds is one of the greatest baseball players to ever live or a Willie Mays or somebody like that or even even a Derek Jeter come out and say that this is complete mockery but for somebody like Doug Glainville who nobody's even heard of, nobody even knows who he is and if you weren't a Philadelphia Phillies fan or Chicago Cubs fan you wouldn't even know that he's played in the major leagues and he's coming out and saying this is a guy that has not hit more than 100 home runs in his career in baseball and he was in the major leagues for nine years and i'm not saying he was a bad baseball player because if you make the major leagues you're one of the best baseball players in the world but the fact is is that he's coming out and saying that who the hell is doug glainville i mean that's the way i look at it i could care less what doug glainville says if pete rose came out and said something that's pete rose
1: But again, it also speaks to the credibility, though, too, because you're seeing steroid-era players be more credible on their era, whereas you're seeing with the Astros, they're not being credible with themselves at all. Doug Glainville probably played at some point with Sammy Sosa, who was one of the big steroid guys, and he's taking shots at him, and, okay, rightfully so. Now you're seeing only guys that have left the Astros, guys like Ken Giles who got traded to the Blue Jays, Colin McHugh who was on that 19, uh, 19, 2017 team and then it hasn't made the rotation since. Only those guys are speaking, and obviously Mike Fires is the guy who started it. It's not guys that are currently on the roster, so at least he has the guts to take that shot at his own error because, again, steroids is wrong. I know you don't think it matters, but it is wrong in a sense. But you're right where... This kind of thing, if you know what pitch is coming, it's clearly much more of an advantage because baseball's not just about hitting home runs, too. If you know what kind of pitch is coming, you could line it for a single. You could rip it in a center field for a double and drive in the winning run in key situations. That's why it you don't matters have for the to, postseason. You,
3: you don't even have to know where the ball is going because you right. can pro- practically guess.
1: Right. Because you
3: know if, let's say, a Garrett Cole is pitching a curveball, you know where his curveballs usually fall. Mm-hmm. So you can guess where the, pitch, uh, where the ball is going to land,
1: where it gives you a better chance of getting... Connected Right, and pole. with the cameras, you can look at the windups, you can look at the, the spin rate, you can look at different things, the way it moves, where you wouldn't be able to do that naturally in a game, just either standing in the batter's box or standing in the dugout angle. It's not easy to see it all the way. Now, again, I have no problem with natural sign stealing, but again, that's not going to happen on every angle. If you see, steal signs naturally, that's fine. That's a that's a challenge. That's part of the game. Doing it electronically where you could focus the camera like that is a whole different just thing it's of cheating. wrong, right? It's cheating. So I disagree with
3: Doug Glainville, and I think he's absolutely wrong. And I think this guy needs to – I don't care how how long he played in the major leagues. And I don't care – maybe he knows somebody on the Astros, or he, he knows A.J. Hinge, or, or he knows the GM of the Astros organization. Maybe he's best friends with the owner of the Astros. I don't give a crap. The fact is, is they were cheating. And if you're cheating, you should be suspended – or something should be mandatorily taken away from that organization. And it hasn't been done enough by Rob Manford. And Manford should be fired. The ownership should fire him. Now, I don't know. I think his contract's up. I think, the, I think they signed five or six-year deals. And I think he signed it two or three years ago. So Rob Manford maybe has two or three, three years left on his contract as the baseball commissioner. With this particular situation, and he's not Bud Selig. I don't know how many years we're going to have left that Rob Manfred is going to be the commissioner of this organization.
1: So it ends in twenty twenty four because it was given to him four years. Yeah, so the the, the year that just completed was the first year of the five year deal. So up until twenty twenty four is. When so he that's signed. not a good sign. If that so. was your
3: first year from contract, and mm-hmm. this happens, your first yeah. year, that's not a good sign for Rob Manfred. And now you're hearing stories that he wants. What does he want? Robotic, you know, <laughs> robotic umpires in the back of the uh, in the back of home plate. I mean, that could ruin baseball <laughs> automatically. I mean, so the and it wasn't people but could silly. probably
1: find a way to steal signs with the robots for all we know.
3: <laughs> I don't know, but I I think that this this is going to be. A rocky four years for Rob Manford, especially his first year coming off a year where there was cheating with the Houston Astros, and they've been doing it for years under Bud Selig.
1: And maybe with Bud Selig's reign.
3: So, uh, and yeah, even the Bo Bo Sox. If the Bo Sox get caught cheating as well, that's just another asterisk on his name for the next couple of years. And I'm telling you right now, the ownership players are not happy that he did nothing to the Houston Astros. He did absolutely nothing. That the own their own fans. Are trying to get money back because of what the Astros have done. They're suing. There's a fan suing the Astros for a million dollars. So he's not going to be the only one. He's not going to be the last one. And I think the Major League has to, Major League Baseball has to look at just what the fans are saying in Houston. Not only the players, but the fans of the Houston Astros are saying about the team and the organization and how it was run. So. It's not a good sign for the Houston Astros. And Doug Laneville he doesn't really put himself on the the top of the list of people you want to interview. We should reach out to Doug Laneville and get him on the show. Mm-hmm. We really should. You gonna you would challenge him. Yeah, I would challenge That'd him. That would be quite an interesting I, interview. Because I think he's an idiot, if you ask me. And last story before we go to break in debate hour. There's a story coming out that the Hawks CEO, Steve Cunnan, started starts the season. He's, he's really starting the season on trying to figure out what – in the when the new CBA laws come out in the next year, where the NBA should go with their seasons. Now he has come out and said in this article that he believes the NBA should start in December, and end the the, the playoff final should be in the middle of August. And if that's the case, and as everybody knows, the NBA draft is in July, June. Well, it's the end of June, July.
1: July I think is when free agency starts.
3: When you think about it that way, when do they expect to have the offseason? What is it, two months? That's all you, you're, you're saying that August should be the end of the season. September, October, November. So you I do think the length would be any different
1: because you're, you're shifting the start of the season two months and you're ending the, start of the season two months later from what it already is.
3: But it's weird. It's weird because the NBA really builds and promotes their product in the month of November going into Christmas. Now all of a sudden they're going to be promoting it through Christmas, through the new year. I, I just – to me it doesn't make any sense. And, and the way they're supposed to build a product and, – and here's the thing. The NBA is now – they're elevating their, their TV deals and now the players are going to make more money and the CBA is going to make more money and the players union is going to make more money. Why would the players agree to this? when the players realize that their off season in the summertime is better, you know, going to distinct areas like Hawaii or or training in New York or training in LA than going and starting the season or ending the season in August where you're going to start training and getting ready for the next season in September October which to me is not good for the players especially the the cold and and and, and really the massive training that they do in the off season. So I don't think this benefits the players. It might benefit the owners and might benefit maybe the playoffs.
1: Well, if there's more TV deals that come with this because that was, I think, the main incentive for why Coonan decided to do this, the players could end up getting more. I don't think it's
3: going to drive more TV deals because they have the biggest TV deal out of all the sports right now. They have the biggest TV deal out of all the sports.
1: I think the – what it said in the article that I was reading, the timing of it is also going to help considering August. It's, it's really, never going to happen. It's only preseason football, which nobody cares about really. It's baseball that's still in the regular season, which is, again, later in the season, so it means more, but is still not is going to be never watched as happen. much. So I think that, in essence, could help boost the ratings. It's not
3: going to boost anything because it's never going to happen. There's no way the players' union, especially the NBA's players' union, are going to accept this. Because it doesn't make sense. You don't sense. think they would do that to no.
1: boost potential no. raises of the max contracts, which are max currently forty million.
3: They're making tons and tons of money. They right, don't but need they could make, can make more, more. Is what I'm saying. You don't they're, think they
1: would want to do that? No,
3: because I think the players are going to realize that right now the way the season is is built is better right now that they have their summers and their vacations with their families. Remember, their kids have school. They go back to school. The players only get to see their kids maybe two months in a year. To see their kids at a significant amount of times because they're traveling and they're going on they're go they're traveling forty games forty two games in a season forty one games in a season they don't really get the chance to see their kids and their family and the fact that you're going to take that away from the players because they want to start the season later I don't think it makes sense
1: it really I, doesn't but again you. Not every player is going to be playing in the NBA finals. Doesn't matter. Later in the playoffs, it's not fair to the players
3: that are. You understand? It has nothing to do with it. It's not fair. So you're telling me LeBron James he plays in the playoffs every single year, and he expects the time with his children, his sons that are going through high school, and he wants to go and watch him play basketball. He's not going to get a chance to do that because oh my god, he's playing in the finals every single year. That's not fair to LeBron James. It's not fair to the players that are in the playoffs. So to me, it doesn't matter. And the players are not going to handle that, right? And they're not going to accept that because they want a chance to see their kids grow, a.k.a. Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant, for how many years, 20 years of playing basketball, barely saw his family. And now, after he retired two years ago, he's gone. He's dead. He really never got a chance to see his kids, his daughters grow. Because he put and he dedicated his life to twenty years of professional basketball. So to me, there's no way the players' union are going to accept this, especially when they have the time and the the opportunity to spend with their children and their families. So wrong, Speedy. It's not going to happen. The players' union is not going to accept this. I don't care what the NBA owners are going to do because it's all about the players' union and they're the ones that play well, right. the Right. It
1: definitely benefits the owners more. I'm not denying that. I'm saying it doesn't though, benefit. The players I think at the all. shift is not really as drastic when it comes to if the players will benefit financially if the TV deals continue to go up millions of dollars where the max contracts. How much money do you think they're gonna benefit? Two million a year?
3: Three million a right, year? Right, which
1: in essence gets the max contracts to forty two, then to forty five, then whatever. the players, especially the obviously the superstars who are gonna get those max contracts could benefit off of that if it means just shifting the season. I think it could help, again, some instances. You're right. There's definitely going to be some that aren't going to like it because they're not going to be able to vacation. It's never going to be approved. But again, I think they already have that issue anyway, just with the way the season is structured. They play every other day, they travel a lot. That's not really going to be solved anyway. It's never going to be approved. I'm telling you right now, this is one rule. That
3: will never be approved by the NBA. I think the tournament is a smart idea, even though the commissioner has stepped away from this tournament, of teams that don't make the playoffs that can absolutely win that extra number one draft pick, first round draft pick. I think that should be implicated into the league and, and new CBA rules. But this rule is completely... This could ruin a lot of things for the NBA players. It will help the fans out because the fans can have a little bit more time to wait until the NBA season so they can watch a little bit more hockey. And who's to say hockey wouldn't copy the NBA if the NBA does that? And I think it could ruin sports as a whole. So... I can't see the NBA. Well, I, don't think
1: the, I don't think the NBA really cares about that, though. I think they're always going to gain ratings over hockey not the anyway. NBA, it's the
3: players. And it's all about the players' union. And the players' union is not going to accept the fact that these players like to spend time with their families. And I'm sorry, Speedy. I look at that for what? a player... They're making forty million dollars. They don't need any more money. They don't need an extra three or four million dollars. They're making more than enough players. The bench players, the thirteenth guy on the bench, is making three, four million a year. I don't think they care about the extra five hundred, four hundred
1: thousand dollars that they're going to make. I think it'll be more than that, though. If it... for the
3: thirteenth player on the bench, no, it isn't. Not,
1: not for them, I'm, but again, no. I don't think that's the players they're really targeting. It's obviously the superstars. All right, the superstar superstars. Driven what, league. what
3: are they going to get, $2, 3000000 million? That's going to be nothing for them. They make that in endorsements. There's no way the players are going to accept that. Anyways, when we come back, debate hour with me and Speedy Petey. As you guys know, we are live Monday and Tuesday down to the wire from 6 to 8 p.m. at night. When we come back, debate hour.
0: It is it, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
3: 631 As you guys know, this is The Arithmetics, and this is Sweet Dreams. As everybody knows, it was a very popular late 80s, early 90s song. So if you don't know who sings this song, it's The Arithmetics. So there you go. As you know, you can follow us by going to our website at worldwidesportsradio.com. And as you know, we have this particular moment throughout our show, Down to the Wire, Monday and Tuesday. And as you guys know, this is Debate
0: Hour. This is the Debate Hour. And now in this corner, your host, Errol Mars. And in this corner, who gives a sh. Round one. All right,
1: Speedy, give me. All right, round one. We're going to start with hockey today. Which current division leader in their respective conferences? It's either the Bruins, Capitals, Leafs, no, not Leafs, Blues, or Golden Knights. Golden Knights, yes. Which of those division leaders has the best chance of getting knocked out in the first round of the playoffs and why? All right, Speedy. All righty. So I'm going to take Vegas in this one. I'm going to take Vegas for this reason. The Western Conference Wild Card teams, a lot of them have been very good this year. The Wild are playing red hot. Nashville's very good, a very good team that now has something to play for now with what happened to the tragedy in their city. They're going to be motivated. You got a young Vancouver team which has been very good this year. And Vegas has been kind of top heavy this year. And usually top heavy teams don't do well in the postseason. Mark Andre Fleury's been a very more below average playoff goalie than he has been good. He was great in his first stretch with Vegas, but. After that, he really hasn't been that good, and again, their defense has been okay, but again, it's really a top-heavy team. Mark Stone's been great, Marcia so has been great, but everyone else has really had a down year for the most part, even William Carlson, who was great for them in that first season. He's been kind of down from where he is, where he was, and again, their playoffs... They're still kind of inexperienced. They made the Stanley Cup, but again, they also collapsed down 3-1 to last year against the Sharks. So what are they? They're kind of an in-between team. And I just, with the, the depth of the Western Conference this year, I like a lot of those wildcard teams, especially if it is Nashville, because they, they're going to have something to play for. I think the depth of the Western Conference, that'll make a difference, and I think any of those wildcard teams can knock out Vegas. The Blues have something to play for, too, with Bomeister. the cardiac arrest that happened to him. I can't see him them going out that early. In the East, really, they don't have great... Bottom teams as much that I could think can knock out the Bruins or the Capitals, so I'm going to take Vegas. I'm taking the one. Bruins.
3: You are. All I'm right. going to take the Bruins, especially getting getting knocked out in the Stanley Cup Finals last year against the uh, the great young or in veteran team of the the Blues last year. I was there. I was on the ice. I watched the players. I watched the Boston Bruins. Their heads go down. But this is a young team. Talented. They have good leadership. Zdeno Chara is still playing. They have Tuka Rosk. Always plays well in the second half going into the playoffs. He's a good playoff goaltender. He didn't play well good in the Stanley Cup Finals. Right. And Brad Marchand, who a lot of people don't like in the league, has played good hockey. This is a team that's 7-3 in their last 10 games. And to me they're the most all-around talented team out of all the four teams. So they've got goaltending, they have defense, they have special teams, they they, they can score on a power play, they're a good penalty-killing team. This is a team that's stacked from top to bottom. Their first three lines are as good as three, uh, first three lines in the NHL right now. And their talent is unbelievable. They have a lot of good, talented players, young players. They have one of the best young defensive players in the league who's from Long Island. As you guys know, so... This is a team that is stacked with great young talent. Now, the Golden, Lights, the Golden Knights over the last couple of years have been one of the best teams in the NHL. They've proven themselves in the Western Conference and really what they've done. They've built around goaltending, which they have with Marc-Andre Fleury. And then there's, there's the, the, the Blues, who won the Stanley Cup last year. Ever since they brought in their new coach in the second half of the season, they've played great hockey. They went all the way to Stanley Cup Finals and surprised and shocked the world, winning the Stanley Cup with a a goaltender that never played in the NHL, who came from the AHL, who was a subpar goalie at best in the AHL, came into the NHL and became one of the most dominant goaltenders in the playoffs. So uh, I I think all these teams, and, and Tampa Bay, and even though Tampa's not a first, Washington is, a lot of people think Tampa is the team to beat. Washington has a better chance of going all the way. Both teams are not teams that are built for the playoffs. I'm sorry, they're not. And, and no matter how talented both teams are and how good are the players they have on their team as far as their rosters are concerned, this is it. both teams are teams that fall off in the big stage. I don't think Tampa is a big stage team, and I don't think Washington, since Barry Trotz has left, are a big stage team. So the team to beat out of all, all four teams...
1: Is the Boston? So you think Washington is the best chance of losing yes. in the first round? Yes.
4: Okay.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Definitely, with a new coach, that makes a difference too. All right. Number two. Which team? We're moving on to the NBA now. Which team has a better chance of trading for Chris Paul in the offseason? We discussed this last week. The New York Knicks or the Los Angeles Lakers Good to go play with LeBron James? All right, Speedy, let's hear it. What do you got here? All right, so I am going to take the Lakers in this instance. We're just waiting on the music to come back. It
3: doesn't matter. You go ahead and talk.
1: I'm going to take the Lakers in this instance, and it's not because that the, the Lakers are going to pay him any more than what they would do, because Chris Paul is still going to be on that contract, $41 million this year, forty-four next year. So that's the contract he's going to be on. I feel like the Lakers, though – would tend to what LeBron wants. And if LeBron wants Chris Paul, which he, they've always said they've wanted to play with each other for a while. That's why I thought LeBron last offseason when he was a free agent was going to go to the Houston Rockets and go play with Chris Paul. I, I just think that's going to help in terms of what he likes to do. We've seen him do this. When he wants a guy, he gets a guy. And that ends up happening. So I think the Lakers, even though they don't have the, the draft capital to do it right now, they, they don't can have the do, room to bring him in. They, 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 they do this every other year kind of thing with the NBA drafts the way it works. I think... In terms of that, I think they'll try to make it away. They're, they're going to do whatever it takes to make LeBron comfortable. If, if LeBron wants Chris Paul and he sees an opening for somebody like Chris Paul off a phenomenal season like that, he could trust him again. That's going to be something that I think it could end up making a difference. The Knicks, again, you say it all the time, the Knicks should be careful with trading their assets away. You wouldn't trade anything else but the number one overall pick. You wouldn't trade it for anything else other than Carl Anthony Towns. A lot of the young players, you wouldn't want to trade they're for They're not some-
3: trading their first pick for Chris Paul. No, I didn't say they would. I man. didn't say
1: they would. No, I'm not saying they would. Carl Anthony Towns, yes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're, they, you wouldn't they, trade it for anything uh, else, and nor should they, because the Knicks are in a rebuilding team. They're a, they're a young team. And again, Chris Paul, I don't think he would damage anything like that because he's still a phenomenal player. He's a nice leader. But would they want to give up what the Thunder would want for that kind of thing? Whereas the Lakers, I think... Thunder's not going to want a lot. What are they going to get? Off a, off a great year? Yeah. I, think, I didn't say they'd get a lot, but I, I'm just saying... You can get a
3: Kevin Knox and maybe a second-round draft pick. That's what you're going to get. No,
1: I think they would want more than that. They're not
3: going to get that much.
1: Yeah, Nobody's going
3: to give them that much. I
1: think they would. For but,
3: a 35-year-old man that's making $40 million
1: a year? No way. No well, way. Well, no way. I think they would, would want more off the season that they got. But Who? St-
3: what are they going to the get? The Thunder. I-
1: the Thunder is not going to get what you
3: think they're going to get. It's going to be the Knicks. And I'm going to tell you why the Knicks. It's not the Lakers because the Lakers don't have the money to fit him in there. They don't. They're going to have to pay Anthony Davis unless Anthony Davis decides to flee after this year. If that happens, Chris Paul will be a Laker. If not, it's the Knicks. The Knicks have the money. They have more than enough money. They can bring in... They could bring in Carl Anthony Towns and Chris Paul and be a championship competitive team with those players. And I could see the Knicks doing something like that. Chris Paul comes from Rose's um, his organization. He was the he was the uh, agent of Chris Paul. He's also the agent of a uh, Carl Anthony Towns who wants out of the Timberwolves. If the Knicks could get Paul and Carl Anthony Towns as a duo, the Yankees the, the Nick I can't I say the Yankees, but the Knicks would absolutely do that. Now the Knicks have the better chance because the Knicks have the money. They have the they'll, they'll be aggressive in the offseason, more aggressive than the Lakers because the Lakers are going to try to be as aggressive to sign Anthony Davis, who probably wants to go to Chicago and play in his hometown. So, I I will see, I will tell you this right now. They have a better chance. The Lakers have a better chance of trying and trying to keep Anthony Davis than going after Chris Paul. So, Chris Paul would be the Knicks. And, and, and that would be the target for the Knicks, and it seems like that is going to be their target in the offseason, bringing in somebody like Chris Paul because that will draw other free agents to come and play with them.
1: All righty. Number three and the final one for today, which newly acquired cornerback, Josh Norman or A.J. Boyer, will make a new difference to their team? Josh Norman just signing with the Bills. Ooh. And Boye last week getting traded to the Broncos. Now, even though I think Boyer is the better player right now, I'm going to take Norman for this reason. One of which is he knows the defense already with Sean McDermott. McDermott was not the defensive coordinator when they went to the Super Bowl, but he was on that staff. It was a very similar type defense, a lot of cover two, a lot of physical zone coverages, and he knows that style of defense, and that's where he strived the most. Once McDermott left as a head coach for Buffalo, Norman was not the same player when Steve Wilkes was the defensive coordinator and the other guys after that. So I think him fitting in that offense the way he is will make a difference. He doesn't have to be the number one corner there. Tredavious White's already there. He's one of the better young corners, maybe one of the best overall corners in football right now. So he could be a number two. He could be a good number two and different than what they have. A lot of their number two types are smaller corners. Norman provides a physical element to that. He's lost some speed with his age but them being a mostly zone team and them being him being a number two corner, I think will make a difference in that defense a lot more than Boye, who has to be rushed into a number one in a new system, a very complicated system with Vic Fangio. So I'm going to take Norman. It's close because they're both good defensive minds, but I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take Norman to be able to do that. Norman's
3: going to a team that's already have already has two really good corners. Where are you going to put Norman now? Norman will be the second tier guy. He will not be the first tier guy. But he's already going to a Buffalo team that was the number one defense, really number two defense in all of football last year. So how much better is Josh Norman going to make that team? I, I wouldn't say that much better. Boyer could make the Broncos that much better in their secondary. Even though they're they going to lose Harris, they're going to lose the players that they've lost in the last couple of years, Boyer is still in the prime of his career. You put him over there in, with the Broncos with the pass rush. And by the way, their coach is a defensive-minded coach that has made corners better. In his, in his defense. And I think Boye will be a better number one with the Broncos than being the number one with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's a completely different defense. It's a completely different zone type of style of game where they're going to go after the quarterback. You know what the, what the Broncos are all about. They have the front seven. So I, I still look at Boye being the better choice and the better player. As far as these these uh, these corners that we're we're talking about right now, now Josh Norman is a good player, and he's still a good player. What worries me more about Josh Norman is his cancer. Is he going to bring the cancer craziness into that locker room? He did it in he did it in um Carolina. He did it in in Washington. This is a guy that's had problems with players that he's played with on his own team and other teams. So I don't know if Josh Norman is going to bring. Uh, stability with the Buffalo Buffalo Bulls make them match that much better? Because how much better could they be? They're a top three defense all around in the whole NFL. Do they really need Josh Norman? They don't. They really don't. Now, Boye is needed with the Broncos.
1: How much of a problem do you think Josh Norman's attitude though in Washington is also a Washington problem though too? No,
3: I think Josh Norman is a cancer. He's just like an Odell Beckham. He's the, He's the cornerback at the position of Odell Beckham. They're both s- silly, no good, big mouth players that have nothing good to say about the players that they play with. They think that they're the best. They think that they're number one, and they think that they're the number one priority on that on that team in that in that organization. That was the problem over there in, in Washington, and that's why Washington wanted him out of there because he thought he was that much better than the quarterbacks. He was that much better than all the other corners and the defensive players on the team, which he wasn't. He's a a player that is not the same player that came from Carolina or even the first year with Washington. He's not the corner that everybody was talking about. It was one of the top defensive corners in the league. He right now, if you were to rate him, he's 15 or 16 on my book. He might be even
1: lower now. Yeah, he he, had a really bad year last year.
3: He's not the same player he once was. So to me... Boye is still amongst the league's best corners in the league. I would say he's in the top 12, top 10 corners in the league. And you put him over there with the Broncos in that defense, in that style of defense with a defensive-minded coach, I think he's going to flourish over there with the Broncos. I don't know if, Gordon, if Norman is going to flourish in that defense, especially where he's not even going to be the second guy. He might be the third or fourth guy coming, coming in the game as a corner. He'll be a number two corner. Slot. For,
1: I don't think he right. is. He'll be a number two corner, in, I think, in most game plans. But they'll still try to game plan because they have other good options of the two corner. I think it'll depend on the game plan more than anything else. If they want a physical guy to match up against a certain receiver, they'll do that. Otherwise, they'll play their younger guys, Levi Wallace, Kevin Johnson, guys like that.
3: And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That is Debate Hour with me and Speedy Feedy. Three questions today that you guys can vote and argue about on our social medias. Tomorrow we'll have five questions, five Ooh. questions where we'll get deep inside the NBA. We'll, we'll get some good questions, try to compare some old players to new players. I think a lot of people like arguing that and like they really don't like to compare old style of football players to the new style of football players. But I think it creates more uh, banter. And I think the, the fans, I, we want to give the fans something to argue about. And I think that delivers it. I think that's what debate hour gives is a different argument and a different thought to the process of what we're talking about of a particular player or particular athletes or particular team. So I think debate hour really drives people to vote and argue and and really get down and dirty with the points that we make on our debate hour. So, uh, again, thank you to Rick Curdy for uh, joining us. Uh, If you guys don't know him, check him out, the founder and CEO of the Charlotte Bats And let's bring MLB to Charlotte. I made a pitch for you, Speedy, a pitch for me that if they do bring Charlotte Baseball to that organization to make us the play-by-play guys. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. I'll reach out to Rick as uh, everything moves forward, and we'll see what Manford decides to where he wants to put a a franchise. I, Mm -hmm. I think that there will be a team in the next couple of years. Where um, Manford is going to definitely stick a franchise. in. I think his. it'll be
1: when it comes. It'll be like two at once. I think maybe one in the east, one in the west. I would imagine. I think it's going to be one. That's you you think here. it'll be one and they will an odd number?
3: That's yes, interesting. I think it's going to be one team. So, well, I think there's more teams in. Isn't there more teams in the east than there is in the west? I'm not sure.
1: Well, right, but it's also not split up that way. It's split up in America like nationally.
3: That's why I think. That's why I think uh, there'll be a, uh, a team more in the west than the east. So, okay. I, I think that's what I see it happen. I think that's what baseball is going to do. They're going to try one expansion team. If mm-hmm. it works out, they'll bring another one in.
1: I've always thought a city like Portland could work for that. Portland
3: will work. Yeah. Seattle will work. I mean, Seattle I'm talking worked. about hockey. I'm talking right. about hockey. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, Seattle's bringing a hockey team next year. So I, I'm excited about that because yeah. I've been waiting for that. I want to see the Seattle Supersonics come back in basketball. That'll well. be
1: soon because once that arena is built, that'll – Already, just motivate them to bring that back. Uh,
3: but there are there are other places like Charlotte that are places of big providing places that I think a lot of teams like Oklahoma City when they brought basketball
1: over there it was huge. Why not bring baseball over there to Oklahoma City? They have a very big following with the uh, OKC Dodgers, which I think are the Dodgers' double A affiliate. They have a big, pretty big following. Why not there.
3: bring uh, an OKC or an Oklahoma City? baseball team to the organization or, or, or the city. So uh, I'm interested to see what Manford does, but I, I don't think Manford's going to be in, uh, in office that long to really push this <laughs> forward anyways. Cause I think, I think a lot of owners They're and a lot of players are going to try to force him out a- after his, uh, four years left of his stint. So I, I do not believe Rob Manford will be the commissioner of baseball that long. I, I cause this is, This, to me, is appalling. And anybody that's a fan or an athlete or plays baseball couldn't honestly say that you're just going to sit here every single day and wonder why Rob Manford did not spend more players for this. Carlos Beltran lost his job. Alex Cora lost his job. A.J. Hinge lost his job. The GM lost his job. Why isn't the owner losing his franchise? Why isn't the owner getting fined millions of dollars when he made millions of dollars going to the World Series and winning a World Series title. Why aren't they paying the teams that made it to the playoffs that lost out of the World Series? These are things that Rob Manford should be thinking about. There should be no reason why Rob Manford is not going to suspend some of the players. And I've said this over and over again. Rob Manford should take the five top players out of Houston. And suspend them for forty games. Show Houston what it is to be an a- handicapped team, and let them learn. And when well, everybody says, "Well, why would they do that?" Mike Mikey C says, "How how could you choose who are the better players? You know who the best right, players but are." But
1: again, how can you judge the? All of them were coordinating it all at once. It doesn't matter.
3: If you want to suspend a team, you want to hurt a team, you take Bregman out, you take Cora out, you take Altuve out, you take Springer out, you take Verlander out, and your other player out. Take another player out. Take your five best players out and suspend them for 40 games. 40 games and let them be handicapped for those 40 games. And let's see how the Houston Astros figure out how to get through the season with 40 games without your five best players. That's what I want to see. And I think the major leagues should look at that. I think Manfred should look. I, wouldn't I, think, they still the could.
1: I think they still could later in the season. They're not going to do it. I, I think, they're not gonna I think it. like I said earlier when we were interviewing Rick, I think these two scandals with the Astros and Red Sox could be connected where they're trying to figure out who did it worse, who did it with uh, certain things, and how many players were involved and which specific players were involved. That's not evidence that they know yet as far as we know. And I think it's because there's such a sophisticated investigation, something that probably started even two years before that, that's something that maybe they were, they're looking to connect. And I think players could be suspended later in the season because of that, and those will be more crucial games.
3: Well, Speedy's s- sophisticated uh, explanation would be the underwear that he's wearing today, which are dirty, right, Speedy? No. Well, I don't know if you're wearing underwear today. Though. I am wearing we're... underwear, and are they're you? not dirty. Are you sure? I am sure. Well, you were just telling me before we came here that you, you didn't do your laundry. When did I say that? Exactly, Speedy. <laughs> now you're lying to the fans. Now he's lying to the fans. I've never asked that. This guy does not do his own laundry. His grandma does do his laundry. I do do my own laundry. Not, well, I don't, I'd... so I, I beg to differ on that, Speedy. So you know how to fold? Yes. Are you a good folder? Somewhat. Are we you to fold my clothes? Maybe. <laughs> All right. You're going to fold my laundry from now on. All right. All right. So Speedy will be my laundry folder. So he knows how to fold laundry. So ladies and gentlemen, we have our new... <laughs> Folder. So if you want your laundry folded. no,
1: I'm not. No, I'm not limiting, to I'm not doing it. The whole
3: fans yes. for all the fans out there that want your I laundry. I said if you're
1: busy and I'm here, I'll help no, you. No, I think the laundry. I think no, you, I'm
3: not. Uh, no, I, I think that would be a great idea. I think Speedy would be the laundry oh folder, God. and he could make he can make some money. Well, you know, you could throw him. You could tip him a couple of bucks, maybe three, four bucks. He does about a hundred, you know, he folds about a hundred different. Things, you know, <gasps> oh, for $4. I mean, what? what so, How much clothes could people wear? Jeez. <laughs> I wear a lot of clothes, so I go through a lot of laundry. you going to clean my dirty underwear? No. Well, that's what you said
1: you were going to do. I said I was going to fold them.
3: But they still could be dirty. Oh, my God. <laughs> is the number. Remember, you can follow us by going to our website at WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Follow us on all our social medias. Check out our website. I'm not going to mention all of them. You will can find them on our website. All our stories, all our great writers. Um, It's great. Our our blogs, our stories are as good as any blogs and any stories on the market. If you guys haven't checked out our website, go to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Speedy! Do you have anything to say before we go, we will be back tomorrow from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at night, Eastern New York time.
1: Just ignore his comments about the laundry.
3: No. <laughs> Speedy will be folding your dirty laundry. Yes. And Speedy, <sighs> and if you guys want somebody to clean your dirty laundry, if you leave nope. streaks in your nope. underwear, nope. Nope. let Speedy clean those nope. underwear. Nope. Yes. Anyways, uh, that's it for our show. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, this is Errol Marks and Speedy Petey and down to the wire saying good night.
0: You're you're, you're listening to the World Wide Sports Radio Network.